You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. This is trouble with a capital T. This is severe. This is great. This is very difficult. And you have deemed it fit to allow it to happen in my life. Why? Oh, because I want you to taste of me and see me in ways that you could have never otherwise seen me or experienced me had you not gone through this great and severe trouble. While we might be grateful looking back with hindsight, there's not very many of us that are ecstatic when we're in the midst of trials and suffering. In most cases, all we can think of is when they'll end. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on how God uses our trials and suffering to establish a deeper relationship that we wouldn't experience otherwise. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 71, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I heard this song, I'm not going to say what station. I heard this song, and I guess you would categorize it as a contemporary Christian music song, CCM, contemporary Christian music. And I was, and I was struggling to listen to the music through all the noise. You know what I mean when I say that, right? I mean, it had a great beat. You know, and I found myself kind of, you know, bebopping back and forth and grooving and moving and, you know. And then I caught myself and I go, wait a minute. What did they just say? Here's the litmus test for me when it comes to music. And this is across the board, any music, sacred or secular. Does it draw me closer to the Lord or does it distance me from the Lord? This song was not entering, I was not finding myself drawing near to the Lord or offering up praise to the Lord. I found myself kind of struggling to hear even what the song was about. Couldn't really understand. Maybe, maybe that, you know, I know what my, my boys would say, you're just old. That's the point of the psalm. <laughs> what he's saying is, I wish I could speak to this generation. I wish I could declare your strength to this generation. Can I say it this way? It's weak. It's weak. There's nothing there. It's empty. It's vanity. It is not... It, uh, I better stop. I love this, what he says here at the end of verse 18, your power to everyone who is to come. You know, maybe that's it. And maybe, ah, maybe I need to just say one more thing <laughs> about this before we move on to verse 19. There's no power. There's no power in this. I mean, it's entertaining. It's flash and splash. It's groovy. <laughs> that's a Boy, talk about a old word from back in the day, the 60s and the 70s. But it lacks the power 
It lacks the strength. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, you know, Lord, don't forsake me. I know I'm old. I know what hairs I do have left on my head are gray. But let me at least declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also, verse 19, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles. Oh, stop right there. Are you as uncomfortable as I was when I first read that verse 20? You who have shown me great and severe troubles. I don't want to be shown great and, not just troubles, great and severe troubles. (laughs) But listen to what else he says. Shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. And might I add before we go on to verse 22, that God can only do this in ways that we could have never otherwise experienced had we not been first shown the great and the severe troubles. Isn't it true when adversity strikes and adversity strikes, that we find ourselves just kind of reeling like, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to see in this? This is trouble with a capital T. This is severe. This is great. This is very difficult. And you have deemed it fit to allow it to happen in my life. Why? Oh, because I want you to taste of me and see me in ways that you could have never otherwise seen me or experienced me had you not gone through this great and severe trouble. Just this last week I had something that I was really petitioning the throne concerning. I mean just praying, fasting. Oh God, oh God. I know that you've allowed this for a reason, and I know that that reason is something that you have yet to reveal to me. And when he did, I was so overwhelmed, because I had this sense that what God was doing was allowing this to happen to bring me deeper into Him so I could experience Him and His goodness in ways that I could not have otherwise experienced had I not tasted from that cup. And have you ever found yourself on the heels of something like that saying to God, God, (laughs) while I would never want to have to go through something like that again, I would never trade what you did and the closeness that I experienced with you while I was going through it. You almost thank Him for allowing that to happen as painful and as difficult as it was. 
because he's close to the brokenhearted, those who are contrite, those who are humble before him. And when something like that happens, it creates this humble dependency upon him. And you would have never experienced his hand moving in such a mighty way had you not passed through that furnace of affliction. And that's why. But he revives you again. There's nothing to revive if you don't go through it. How's he going to bring you up again from the depths of the earth, lest you are in the depths of the earth to begin with? Oh, I almost, you'll forgive me for saying this this way, but I almost feel sorry for Christians who have never experienced the depths of the earth, the great and severe troubles, because they've also never experienced the hand of God reaching down and pulling them up and bringing them out of that depth and that despair. Let me say it this way. You haven't lived until you've had God do that for you, as difficult and as painful as it is. Verse 21, you shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. Listen, this praise, this expression of gratitude, this singing with the harp could never happen had it not been for what God allowed to happen. Is it not true that our praise and worship takes on a whole new life when God lifts us up out of the depths of despair? Listen to verse 23, My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul which you have redeemed. By the way, there's actually a physiological, even a neurological truth that's woven into the fabric of this verse. What they found is that when we sing, we're actually using both sides of our brain. And the only time we use both sides of our brain simultaneously is when we sing. Did you know that we were created for music, and for singing, and for worship. We have to worship. The question is, is not, do we worship? The question is, who or what do we worship? Who or what is the object of our worship and our praise? Uh, You know, when the world goes to the nightclubs and they're dancing and they're drinking and they're singing and listening to that music. That's worship. That's their, that's their fellowship, by the way. But because that's the way God created us. He created us for His pleasure to worship Him. That's why we were created. So now how is that going to be expressed? I think it was Bob Dylan, wasn't it? You got to serve somebody. (laughs) 
that was pretty good actually. <laughs> it might be, the God, might be God or it might be the devil, but you've got to serve somebody. I'll say it this way, you've got to worship somebody, because that's the way God created you. Verse 24, my tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. I love this because this is yet another case where God will ultimately have the final word. And this psalmist in his old age, he knows it. And he's speaking it, and he's declaring it, and he's even singing it. What I love about this is the psalmist is sort of reminiscing and reflecting on his younger years, now that he's up there in years. And there's this reference to when he was younger, and it's kind of like he's saying, I was young, I ain't young anymore. In fact, I'm getting up there, I'm old. I also can't help but notice the vulnerability and even the sensitivity that the psalmist has in his old age. And isn't it true that elderly people are more vulnerable? Is this not why the scams that are out there, man, they're so evil. They prey on the vulnerability of the elderly, especially around Christmas, by the way. They target the older people, and they take advantage of them because the older person is vulnerable. I was watching, uh, I think it was a commercial, and, and it had this younger guy that was really agile, and he's jumping and running, and I'm looking at this guy going, wow. I thought, if I tried to do that, I would be hospitalized. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it would be ridiculous <laughs> if I tried to do that. Even when I was younger, I wasn't, you know, athletic like that. But um, I found myself saying, oh, to be young again. Then I caught myself, wait a minute, I really don't want to be young again. Oh my goodness, if I, you know what comes with age is wisdom. Not necessarily. And what I mean by that is, is that sometimes what comes with age is bitterness. You know, some people when they get older, they're better. But some people when they get older, they become bitter in their old age. All of life's experiences have really beat them up. And a root of bitterness, like the writer of Hebrews says, has, has sort of germinated now. And it has borne this fruit, this bitter fruit, because of the bitter root. Which is why the writer of Hebrews warns, do not let a root of bitterness start to grow, because left unchecked, it will defile you, even destroy you. And certainly that can happen in older age. But notice that there's no mention of this from this psalmist. Some get bitter, others get better. I like what G. Camel Morgan said. He said, this is preeminently a song of the aged, 
and like old age, it is reminiscent. The singer, it is a song, passes from memory to hope and from experience to praise. I was listening to a a teaching actually uh, just the other day. It might have been today actually. And uh, I I was struck by this, this comment that the enemy will always try to get us to reflect and reminisce about all the bad things that happened in our lives in order to get our focus off the attention of all of the good things and the blessings in our lives. Here's how it works. You'll get emails throughout the day or text messages. And maybe nine of those text messages or emails are really a blessing. They're really good. But there's this one text, this one email, not so good, kind of snarky. Now, are you going to think about and thank God for the nine good ones? Or is the enemy going to be allowed to get you all worked up and riled up over that one? And you're like, really? You just had nine text messages and emails that were edifying, encouraging, a blessing. But Satan's over here, no, 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 no. What about this one? Yeah, I know. What did they mean by that? And he's right there kind of getting you to overthink it. Start ascribing all of the, the motivations behind it. Wow, you know, they're kind of, those are some serious accusations. And by the way, this is the downside of emails and text messages. You don't have the tone. Because isn't it true? It's not what you say, it's how you say what you say. Here's an example. Are you kidding me? How about this? Are you kidding me? Same words completely different tone, completely different <laughs> motivation and intention. And so you, re- you read those words in the email, and you're going, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I am kidding you. How about that? And you start, and I mean, there's smoke coming off of that keyboard. And you, you know, I, the other day I was typing, and my wife comes up to the office and she goes, are you angry? And I caught myself and I was, I was really, you know, those, those, those little keys were making a lot of noise, you know. And some of the new MacBooks, they, I think they did that intentionally. I don't know if it's a marketing thing or what, but those things make a loud click. And so, you know, I actually type like 60 words a minute. I learned typing and that's one thing I learned. I guess I learned one thing, right? I type so much better and faster. In fact, I had to write, I wrote out a thank you card the other day. And I thought to myself, man, I need to start writing more because, I mean, I'm looking at this thing, it almost looked like Arabic. I can't write Arabic. I mean, it was so bad. My penmanship is so bad because I don't even use it. I'm always typing. He says, the singer passes from memory to hope and from experience to praise. No very definite division is possible. Psalm 72. 
Now, we're told that it's a psalm of Solomon, but we're not sure. Some believe that it's not really written by Solomon, it's written by David about Solomon. Not that it really makes that much of a difference. I kind of tend to believe that it was a psalm of David about Solomon because of what we're going to read in verse 20. But if it is a psalm of Solomon that was written by Solomon, then it's one of two psalms that are ascribed to him. Verse 1, Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. This is why, again, some believe it's David actually praying. This is a, a prayer, a song for his son who will become king, succeeding him. Verse 2, he will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure. That's, that's a long time, <laughs> right? Throughout all generations, he shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace. Now we kind of see a turning of the corner as we get into the rest of this psalm. And it's thought that it's because it speaks not only of David and or Solomon, but the greater than David, the greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ, and specifically the kingdom age, which we'll talk about in a moment. They shall fear you, verse 5, as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. I already read that. I also read verse 6, didn't I? Like showers that water the earth. Verse 7. Did I read verse 7? Doesn't matter. I'm going to read it again. Verse 7. In his days the righteous shall flourish an abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. Quite the imagery. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The king of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. This is speaking of modern day Saudi Arabia. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him, for he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow, you may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
if you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 